What's up? What's up, and everybody? Welcome back to another holiday episode of the Lucky Underdogs podcast. You see, we got the we got the decorations. We real festive over here, at Believe Network. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Lucky Underdogs podcast, brought to you as always by Believe Network and Goodman Productions. Thank y'all for tuning in on YouTube, Valley Sports in Ohio. However you are tuning in, we thank you for tuning in. As always, it's your boy Devin Butler here with my dog. It's your boy CJ Procise, and we the under lucky underdogs where we're gonna always highlight them underdogs. The guys who don't get the media coverage, who don't get all the plays on the field, but when they get out there, they make the opportunity. And today we got my guy Ryan Roberts on here, the Irish breakdown recruiting analyst. And he's gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna go through some, some transfer portal stuff. We're gonna go through some you know recruits that we're gonna be looking at coming in this next uh this next class. Uh, we're going to be talking about all the stuff going on right now with the portal. You know, it's the stuff at Notre Dame, coaches leaving, players leaving. So, uh, let's you know, let's get into it, man. Let's, uh, we're excited to have you on, man. Appreciate you coming. Oh, I, I appreciate both you guys for coming on, man. You obviously got, came on the uh, Irish Breakdown podcast, which was a lot of fun. So, I'm excited and thankful for you guys for having me on today, man. Honestly, this is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, man. No it's doubt, like, man. Definitely, definitely glad to have you here, brother. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So, let's jump right into it, man. I think – one of the things that we should start with, you know, we didn't get to touch on this last week on our on our episode, but Coach Stuckey getting let go, parting ways with our wide receivers coach, and it almost felt like it was kind of a precursor to what came this week with felt like half of the team, half of the wide receiver room leaving as well. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Ryan. What did you think of, yeah. of that departure? What, what have you heard about that? You know, let me – let's get a little bit of insight on that. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a very unfortunate situation. Obviously, I, I felt like there were a lot of things that you could really sell about Chancey Stuckey, which was, you know, I mean, from a recruiting perspective, he was a dynamite recruiter. I think from a just understanding of the game of football, I mean, you don't play at Clemson and then play the NFL as long as he did and not know the game inside and outs. But I, I think that what you ran into was he's still a young coach that was only in his third season ever as a position coach. And I don't think that the development in the room this year was fantastic. And there was a little bit of alienation that happens with some of the members of the wide receiver room. So at the end there, it was kind of preemptive that some guys were going to leave. And, but the decision was made basically from the top that, you know, we had to make a change in that room from who's running it and, you know, the everyday and to be the coach obviously of the wide receiver room. And, Unfortunately, again, you were going to lose some guys regardless because there were some bridges that were burned. There were just some relationships that were unrepairable at that point. And then Coach Stuckey did have a good relationship with several members of the wide receiver room, obviously. So that led to Rico Flores Jr. leaving because he was a big Chansey Stuckey guy. I think Chris Tyree had a really good relationship with Chansey as well. So there was just unfortunate. That was just kind of the, I guess, the, the, you know, the, the, little, the little bit of the calm on the water at first. And once the splash happened, you just got the waves afterwards, unfortunately. So I, I think Notre Dame is already, obviously, the, the news is out there that, you know, Mike Brown, who's now the wide receiver coach and associate head coach of the University of Wisconsin, is more than likely, barring some kind of type of setback, going to be the next wide receiver coach for Notre Dame. So obviously, when it happens this quick, there was decisions that were being made even before the announcement was made, right? They were doing an, sure. they were doing the search. And I think that they're going to be able to recover quickly and recover well from a recruiting perspective, getting some guys in the portal. But unfortunately, man, like I really wanted it to work out with Chancey Stuckey because I think that Coach Stuckey was respected by a lot of people. I think he was a really good recruiter. 
unfortunately, I just don't think he was the right guy for the job right now. Is kind of how I see it. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely makes sense. You know, it's kind of a lot of things you're going on. You're saying, you know, especially just as a fan perspective, looking, uh, you know, kind of looking in, being in that room at some point, you know, before, uh, you just seen a lot of miscommunications between um, the quarterback receivers. Um, and, you know, that as, as when, even when I was a time there, you know, we had obviously we had a lot of good receivers, but we also yeah. we didn't have those miscommunications all the time. You know, it was all we you know we kind of we knew what we had to do. We knew what we, was expected of us. And you didn't you didn't always see that this uh, this season from uh, from everybody. You know, I definitely think, um, you know, you saw it from a couple of guys like you like you said, you, he definitely had probably some good relationships with a few guys who probably get might might have got a little bit more attention than the other guys, whatever. But. Um, that's just, you know, as far as like the, the full room and the development of everybody, you can't have that. You got to have a full perspective of everybody out there be, being able to make plays. And, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't a part of our, really wasn't a part of our, our team this year at all. That, that was the most unfortunate part of CJ was like, mm-hmm. there's like this national perspective, you know, perception that like Notre Dame isn't talented at receiver and they lack speed and this and that. Right. And I'm just like, Guys, like everyone, or everyone, like worships these recruiting rankings, right? The four stars, the five stars, all this type of stuff. That that room is nothing but four stars, like nothing but four stars. Like we're not talking about a bunch yeah. of three star under recruited guys mm-hmm. that lack talent that were just takes for you know whatever reason. Like it was a very talented room that was not developed properly, it wasn't developed well enough. I mean, I'm watching guys like Tobias Merriweather who has since entered the transfer portal, Braylon James who just entered the transfer portal. I'm watching. Yeah. You know, a bunch of guys that I'm just like, I don't, I didn't see progression throughout the season, you know, yeah. and, and like you want to see that progression from game one to game 12. You want to be able to see and say, like, hey, the release packages got better, you know, the top ends got better, getting in and out of breaks, understanding where to attack blind spots, like the nuances of the wide receiver position. I didn't feel like they took that next step this year. So, you don't want to waste talent, obviously, at the end of the day, because that is a talented room. And I think that if they are developed properly, I think that they're going to surprise a lot of people. But obviously, they have to deal with the lack of numbers right now that they have in that room and kind of rebuild it as, as quick as they can. Definitely, definitely. And it's interesting that you bring up the rebuild. Um, just wanted to get a little bit of insight. I know I, I haven't been too privy to the recruiting cycle this this time, but what are, what are the receivers that are coming in looking like either out of high school? And what does it look like from the transfer perspective for Notre Dame coming up this year? Well, 2024 class, I think, is going to be a, a class that can provide a lot of instant impact for, for this program. I, I really love this class. They have a three-man class. Cam Williams is the guy that everyone talks about because he's yeah, he's the five-star, like 90 minutes away, right? Like he's the five-star right in Glenbard, Glenbard South in, in – um, Glenn Ellen, Illinois, but it's a suburb of Chicago, right? But, but so he's the kind of the golden boy, the poster child to a degree, six, one and a half, 190 pounds. Kid can fly. Kid's very nuanced, understands how to play the game. I mean, he can win vertically, can win after the catch. He's improved as a route runner of the last two years as well. He is a bona fide five star. He's considered that on the, on the industry ranking and everything. So, and he's also a early enrollee. So he'll be here in January. And he's going to be expected to be that guy for this offense, right? Even if Notre Dame, because I think Notre Dame's going to get a couple really good wide receivers in the transfer portal. They've already gotten one today. But I think that they are going to do a really good job of kind of rebuilding that room the best they can and getting some guys that have college production and have had a lot of production. But I still anticipate Cam Williams coming in and having an impact. Like I, I anticipate him being on the two deep and being a player that you have to keep your eye on. So he's the mainstay. But 
it kind of overshadows the fact that like you have two other really good wide receivers in the class. Micah Gilbert is a kid out of North Carolina um, who he's from Charlotte Christian, not Charlotte Catholic. He's from Charlotte Christian. He's like 6'2", 205. He's -hmm. like one of those dudes that you look at and you're like, kid's college ready, man. Like he can come in and play. He's a really good route runner, super physical, can win back shoulders, just a catch point guy. And, and I think that he can come in and he can play relatively early. He's also an early enrollee. And then the last guy is Logan Saldate, who's out in California. He's at Palma in Salinas, California. And he is kind of what you really would want in this offense as a slot receiver, like 5'11", 185, dynamic after the catch, though. Like, really, really good. He's like one of those kids that I – means like CJ Procise, right? Like, you, you you find a little bit of space, you give him the rock, you just let him go. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of those cats. So, I think the wide receiver group in 2024 is you have the opportunity to have some instant impact there. And Notre Dame is also, like you mentioned, like they're attacking the transfer portal and they're going to try to get a couple guys. I anticipate at least two wide receivers in the transfer portal, maybe three, depending on if the right three want to come. They got a commitment today from Chris Mitchell with a K. Chris Mitchell out of, um, he's out of actually out of Florida International. He was a Florida kid originally and he was a little bit of a lightly recruited kid, but. 6'1", 175, over 60 receptions this past year, over 1,100 yards. The kid can go, man. Like, he oh, is yeah. really explosive, and he can that's run. Funny. And that's it's one thing that Notre Dame needs more of. Like, they need that yeah, dynamic sure. ability to stretch the field a lot. And he's going to come in, and I think he's going to do that for Notre Dame. They're also going to be hosting – actually, today they were hosting Josh Kelly out of Washington State that was formerly of Fresno State. He also had, like – 60-something catches, near a 1,000 yards this past year, so super productive. And then a guy that Notre Dame fans probably remember is Bo Collins that plays down at Clemson, right? He's been their leading receiver the last two years. Notre Dame recruited him hard, and he's a former five-star recruit. He hasn't really lived up to the billing from a production perspective, but still over 500 yards last year, still some untapped potential. So I think out of that group of receivers and there's more too. like Notre Dame is still yeah. looking at a bunch of other wide receivers on the market. But if you get a couple of those kids combined with the three man class, again, I think you have a chance to rebuild this wide receiver room pretty quick. Definitely. Definitely. I, go ahead, CJ. I'll let you go. I, I was going to say uh, just um, going off, you know, talking about, you know, the young receivers. Uh, I watched, I, I watched a couple of the young guys, uh, you know, Cam Williams, he's definitely going to make impact. He just, he's a big body guy. Um, he's a guy, you know, kind of Notre Dame. He just be able to throw the ball up to. Like we just didn't have that last year because Jaden Thomas is injured, Deion Cozy injured. So you know, having him next year to be a part of that group is going to help. And then yep. that, that Logan kid has got some juice. I watched yes, him. Yeah. yeah, you can give it to him anywhere. He gonna he gonna make something happen. He got juice. He remind me of T.J. Jones a lot, like route running wise, and then like even like after the catch, like. So I'm excited to watch him get up there and, and make plays. Um. But yeah, like you said, man, the, uh, the you know going after receivers in the transfer portal, you know, it's it's crazy to hear guys having like sixty catches, a thousand yards. Like, all right, I'm going to take leave it. That's a great. That's a the hell of a season, brother. Like, what you doing? Having a great year, and you just like, all right, I'm out. Like, it's it's uh, he, he was. It's a different I think world, he was one man. of the top five. He was like one of the top five leading receivers in college football last year, uh, Chris Mitchell, world. which is why I mean, literally, he had a level over eleven hundred yards, but. He's playing at Florida International, wants to come yeah, up and show that he can play with the big boys, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be interesting uh, to see how quickly he translates. Definitely. definitely. I think it's I think it's going to be good to have uh, – to get some of those older guys that are experienced in college football in with these yeah. younger guys that they're expecting to come in and make an impact. I think 
that's going to be great for them to really mold both of those two together, you know, mold that group together. I think they'll be able to feed off of each other. Uh, I, I definitely think that uh, receiver rooms always work best when you have some young dudes in there that are really chomping at the bit and pushing those yep. older guys because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not a receiver, but I, I, I see a lot of receivers and they, they get complacent sometimes. They get complacent. Like, they yeah. know that. If they know that they got the spot, like, yeah, man, like, I'm not going that hard in practice. Like, y'all know what I do on Saturday. But when you got them young dudes behind you that's pushing you, now everybody is, yeah. Now we all competing to see who's going up top first, you know, so. That's why I like it, man. Devin, I think it's a great point, but I really think that that's my favorite part of this receiver room, how it's constructed. One, I think there's a lot of diversity from a skill set perspective. Like, you have the slot types, you have the big body guys, you have some speed. But more than anything, like you're going to have a couple kids, like let's say they get, you know, obviously they they already have Chris Mitchell, but let's say they also get like Josh Kelly from Washington State. Washington State's a power five school. They're in the Pac-12, but still, that's a, still a step up to Notre Dame, right? Like still a little bit of a step. And if you get a couple of those guys that are still coming here to try to prove that they are that guy, right? Because FIU Chris Mitchell is not Notre Dame Chris Mitchell. Like you need to show that you're that dude, right? But then you have the mid-tier guys right now uh, the Jaden Thomases that CJ mentioned and those guys that are veterans but they have a lot to prove still right like they, they, they need to be hungry or else they're probably going to enter the portal at some point too like they need to show that they have that dog in them and then the young guys are going to be chomping at the bit just to show that they belong on a college football field and belong in that blue and gold right so I think you have a room that it lacks like a no like known commodities at the University of Notre Dame with transfers and guys that still have a lot to prove but the fact that you they have a lot to prove gives me a lot of optimism for how good how much they could surprise potentially in 2024. The fact that they're going to be going hard. Like there's no who's the starter in right now this preseason. Like I have no right. idea who the starter is. I mean, by default, it'll be a couple of the veterans that have been there. But I mean, Jaden Thomas better be, better be on his P's and Q's every day, or Chris mm-hmm. Mitchell's going to come over and take his spot. Like that's just kind of how it is, right? So I, I like that the room is built that way. Definitely, definitely. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, I think it's, you know, it speaks a lot, a lot about, uh, you know, Notre Dame. I think, you know, Coach Freeman, too, um, you know, obviously Stucky wasn't his, I guess, his hire. I mean, not exactly his hire, the guy he wanted. Um, so, you know, as a defensive coach, you really got to get the guys, you know, your guys on that offensive side that you really trust and that you want in that uh, in the building. Because um, at the end of the day, like, you know, he's going to, you know, the defense is going to be straight because we got our head coaches. That's his focus. He's going to focus on that defense. So, the offense is gonna always gonna have a little rough rough part, you know, as long as the Freeman era is in effect. I, I think for I mean, in my opinion, just because I mean defensive coaches usually have a, a little bit of a hard time with the offensive side. So yep. especially once, you know, definitely need yeah. the receivers to be solid. So, you know, whatever whoever comes in step in that quarterback, whoever steps into that quarterback room into that spot, um, it's an easier transition for him because you know, the head coach ain't we know Freeman's a defensive guy, so he's not gonna be focusing on that offense. Like I think it's tough for head coaches these days, man, because if you get you a good offensive coach, a good offensive coordinator, he's looking he's to done. get out of there and, and get your job or a job yeah. better than yours yeah. in a year or two if he's doing his thing. So mm-hmm. I think That's it's the, tough to really secure like that offensive coordinator that you really gel and bond with, you know? That's where the eyes always go, man. Everybody always wants that young up-and-coming offensive coordinator as the mm-hmm. next coach, right? Like mm-hmm. that really – revolutionary dude i mean the garrett riley's of the world and i mean we just saw jeff levy get hired down at mississippi state from oklahoma Mm -hmm. like you you always see that pitch right because Mm -hmm. 
game is changing, right? Like I was a defensive guy, so it breaks my heart a little bit, but like offenses win championships now. Like defenses don't want, win as many championships anymore. Like it just is what it is. You know what I mean? So I think it's just kind of the evolution of where the game is, unfortunately, to a degree, but it's where we yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we're talking about these offenses, let's let's focus on or let's see what signal caller that the Irish are going to be going with next year. I, yeah. I'll go out on a limb and say this just to start it off, and I'll get you guys' opinions here. I don't want Riley Leonard. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't. I don't want him. Yeah, yeah, I don't want him on the center. And I mean, and, and I and I like the Leonard's. I've said this plenty of times. I went to high school with Riley's older cousin Danny. He was my kicker. So I, I love the Leonard's. Their whole family is amazing. But Riley, man, I, I don't think that you're ready to be under the spotlight of a Notre Dame quarterback. It's okay. Like, you can stay at Duke or you can go somewhere else. You can ball out and do your thing. But Notre Dame, I think we I think we tried it with our tra- with our portal quarterback this year. I don't think that – I don't think that the portal is a position – like, I don't think that's a – I don't think that's where we should go for a quarterback. That's just my opinion mm. for Notre Dame. Well, I th- I think the vantage point coming into this process, Devin, was that – and, you know, this is just kind of from intel from just kind of, you know, some sources is that – Notre Dame was going to be in the market for quarterback no matter what, even if their thought process was transfer quarterback comes in and starts, or if they were just like, you know, it's going to be between Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, and CJ Carr coming in. Like one of those guys would start. They still had to bring in a quarterback because they wanted four scholarship kids in, in, in the room because, you know, one guy transfers, one guy gets hurt, then you're like, oh, we only got two quarterbacks oh, in the yeah. roster left, right? Like we're in yeah. a little bit of trouble here. So the, the question was always going to be, do you bring in a guy to compete for the starting job or to be the starter, or do you bring in a guy that's more for depth, right? Like a, maybe a guy that wants to be a grad assistant after he graduates, but like he's played a couple games. Like Ohio State did something similar when they brought in Tristan Gebbia last year. It's like Tristan Gebbia wasn't coming to Ohio State to start, right? Like he was just coming there <laughs> to hold a clipboard and transition to the next stage of his life, mm-hmm. but he was still a healthy arm in that room. Okay. Notre Dame, I, I, I think that because for me, like I think that Notre Dame is going after Riley Leonard, because that is the guy. Like, that's the only guy really on the board, in my opinion, as of right now. I mean, like, they've done their homework on a couple other guys that are out there in the portal, but they've really kind of circled in on Riley Leonard as, like, their target in the on the quarterback market. But I, I think their kind of thought process is we're not going to reach for someone, right? Like, I'm going to give an example that's a slightly disrespectful, but, I'm, you know, whatever. I'll explain it, so hopefully it doesn't come off as disrespectful, <laughs> but... Like, they're not going out and trying to get, like, Will Rogers from Mississippi State, right? Where you're looking at him and you're just like, hey, he's a system quarterback. If everything's good and everything's working, like, he's fine, right? Like, he's fine. He could be somewhat productive. But when you really look at him, you're, like, very system-driven, right? Like, he's not a guy that's going to necessarily elevate anything around him. He's just a guy that, you know, if everything's working really well around him, he could be fine. He could be a solid player. Mm -hmm. They didn't want that type of guy because – why would you go that route when you have talent in the quarterback room already? There is talent there, obviously. Sure. But I think that what they're going with Riley Leonard is because Riley Leonard is very talented, and I think that he brings a, a different skill set that you don't have in the room right now. Like, you just don't have that. You'll have that when Deuce Knight gets here in 2025, yeah. Yeah. but until then, you have more of pocket-centric quarterbacks. You know, some RPO skills, changing arm angles, like that type of stuff, but – you don't have a guy that's an athlete like Riley Leonard is. You don't have a guy that next year, because 
anticipated right now, Joe Walt's going to go top 10 in the NFL draft. He's probably declaring early, like unless something catastrophic happens. Blake Fisher is also potentially going to go early. Like that one is, le- is less certain as of right now, but that might happen. You're going to have a young offensive line, a wide receiver room that is developing the cohesiveness. And I look at that situation and I say, you know what can ease some of those lumps early in the transition? An athletic quarterback that can get himself out of trouble sometimes. You know, like Riley Leonard can make the wrong right at times. He can make the the unopportune opportune at times. So that's why I'm on board with Riley, just for that simple fact that I think that he has kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's kind of how I view him, right? Mm -hmm. And if he fails, you're still going to have those quarterbacks in the room. Like, they're not all transferring, man. Like, they'll still be there. So I think your perspective on that is more than fair. And if Notre Dame made the decision of, we're going with one of the young guys, I'm cool with it because I love Kenny Minchie. I really like CJ Carr. I think it might be a year early for CJ, but like eventually I think CJ is going to be a really good player in college. And when Deuce gets here, like, yes, sir. Like that's a very talented quarterback room. Mm -hmm. So I'm good with that vantage point, but I, I ultimately think that's why they're pushing for Riley is because Riley, I think if healthy brings a dynamic skill set that they haven't really had in the room since, Book, yeah, I mean, yeah, they really just haven't had that guy that's like because Riley's like 6'4, 220, and he's gonna run yeah, like four or five high. Like, he's, nah, he, he's can move. Back, he can move, man. he's definitely yeah. a mover. Anyway. I'll let you know who I like at the quarterback position. I, think, I think they said he was in the portal. Uh, was that okay. Dylan Gabriel? Did Dylan Gabriel hit the portal again from Oklahoma? Oh, it did. You guys want a crazy backstory on that one? I got I got a little oh, bit of a backstory on that one. Oh, so he was a he was a he was a Jeff Lebby guy, right? He was at UCF with Jeff mm-hmm. Lebby. Jeff Lebby brought him to Oklahoma. That was his guy. And the minute that Jeff Lebby so basically behind the scenes was a lot of people in the Oklahoma room, and this isn't as much a uh, rumor anymore, like this has kind of been verified out there, but I got a little bit of intel like a couple of days beforehand. But basically, the, the building was split on after their bye week. They actually wanted to go to Jackson Arnold, who's their true freshman in the building right now that Notre Dame Notre Dame fans know because Notre Dame did recruit him for a little bit. Quarterback out of Austin, uh, not, a, not of Austin Westlake. He was at, um, dang, I can't remember, but same high school as Peyton Bowen, but the name's escaping me at the moment. But so he was a, you know, borderline four star, some considered him a five star. They were actually thinking about making the switch because that was just kind of the, the guy that they liked in the room. But they were never going to make that switch under Jeff Levy because Dylan Gabriel was Levy's was guy. guy. Like, he wasn't just yeah. going to do it. Right. The minute, though, that he decided that he was going to go to Mississippi State, Levy, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that Dylan Gabriel wouldn't be back anymore. Like he was going to oh, hit wow. the portal. So. A couple names that are popping out, like Mississippi State, obviously. That's where Levy is. That would be a conversation. I've heard Oregon kind of associated with Dylan Gabriel a little bit. So we'll see where he ends up. But, I mean, I like him a lot as a college quarterback. Yeah. I, think he's a, I think he's a very tough, good tough dude. Tough dude. And I think I think the transition from going from a, mm-hmm. a Oklahoma to Notre Dame is definitely a little more it's a little easier than it would be going from Duke to Notre Dame. That's definitely that's a little right. less of a stress. Hey, He's probably to be you, a little man. more prepared for that. <laughs> Listen, the, the Wake Forest, Duke, you know, small, small, you know, 20,000 people stadium, you know, going to <laughs> 20,000 to 80,000 is, is, is a big jump. You I know, it's, it's, uh, the, the game day atmosphere is a little different. And, uh, you know, even Riley oh, Leonard, yeah. even you can see he was a little, he was a little shook when we played him. This year, you know, that from that atmosphere at Duke, and it wasn't even a 
wasn't a Notre Dame atmosphere. It wasn't a you know Notre Dame Clemson yeah. atmosphere or a Notre Dame uh, USC atmosphere. So. Um, well, well, the crazy part is that if Riley comes to Notre Dame, they'll have their first game, which is most likely going to be against Army, even though they're dragging their feet announcing it. Second game, though, is going to be at Kyle Field down at Texas A&M, and that place gets rocking too, right? Yeah, so like, that's going to be an interesting atmosphere for your first home uh, away game as Notre Dame starts sure. back potentially. Yeah. So. For sure, man. I that's think that definitely – but they're not gonna be rocking for long. He'll be all right. He can he can get through that. <laughs> no, they'll they'll be rocking the beginning of the game. Then like to the end, they they quiet down, they, quiet down for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A and M boot. That's the coach. Yeah, that's the, we ain't worried about that. Yeah. That's crazy though. His old coach is at A&M, think, right? Elko just got yep, hired. Mike Elko. A&M. Yep, he's yep. over there now. So, I mean, obviously he spent a little time in Notre Dame as well. Which it'll be it'll be a cool storyline though. You know, if Riley ended up coming to Notre Dame and his. First away game is against Coach Elko, and Elko has yeah. the Notre Dame ties as well. Like, yeah, it's yeah. interesting storyline for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. I think you so. know, my my opinion. I think we leave him at Duke, but you know, I obviously, you know, he's he's he's, he's probably coming at this point. Most you know, it, all the crystal balls are saying he's coming. So, um, yeah, you know, most likely. Well, I'm just my only thing. You know, I mean, at this point, you know, is is just going kind of foregone conclusion, but. I just – I don't want him – he shouldn't have as much of a, a leash that Sam Hartman did this year because That's after right. Ohio State, you know, and even – I still think after Ohio State, I think we should have been we're starting to rotate a little bit. Um, at least think about it, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the thought should have been out there. Yep. Because now, you know, now we got what – we got two guys who who don't really even have much experience. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're going against – they're going to be competing against a guy who's been starting at another school. So, um, yeah, I mean – I. I would have loved to seen Kenny Minchie down the stretch a little bit in a couple games, you know, just see a little bit more of what mm-hmm. you got. You saw a little bit of Steve Angeli, obviously, but like there, I think there definitely should have been a little bit more of an evaluation period down the stretch. Yeah. I think I agree hundred percent. I, I understand why they like wanted to stick with him against Wake Forest, for instance, because right. obviously like bench Sam against his former team, like, you know, all that demographic and stuff but i really i really do think that they there should have been a package involved right at least like get another quarterback in get his feet wet go out to stanford do the same thing and then in the bowl game it's kind of split right now as far as like is hartman gonna play is he not gonna play and if in a in a ideal world if you're talking about just for next year then that last game like angeli and minchie both play and then that's kind of the little bit of the i don't want to call it an audition but like that's they're getting their feet wet obviously yeah Mm -hmm. I don't think I mean you gotta I, evaluate them. You gotta evaluate them well while they're getting some reps that matter. You know, exactly. you know, anybody can go in there and, and throw the ball around when we up 40 points. Like that's that's easy. That's that's anybody can do that. That's no pressure. You gotta see how these guys react to some pressure, to some high intensity situations. Cause then because I, I I I'm 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 of the belief that even if Riley Leonard does come in, I, I think he should be slated as the starter, but I don't think he should just be given the full keys like mm-hmm. it's just yeah, like you were saying, he shouldn't yep. have it to he shouldn't have it just have his cake and eat it too. I think oh, I, I 100% agree that. with that. And the great thing is that one thing that Coach Freeman he stresses all the time is competition, right? So, mm-hmm. 100%, I agree with you. Like, no matter who comes in here as a, as a not even just a quarterback, any transfer portal player that's coming in, any recruit that's coming in, every veteran that's coming back unless you're Joe Alt, right? Who's like a returning all American, like a competition should be in, in there, right? Like there should be yeah. an ensue of like, 
uncomfortability and seeing kind of that sink and swim mentality of like, who's going to be that guy? Who's not going to be that guy. And I think that some opportunities should be open there for sure. And uh, unfortunately for Riley, you know, Riley had a really nice 2022 season. Then 2023 season, obviously gets banged up. He tries to come back. Then he hurts his foot and he's got an ankle and everything working against him. He's also coming off a year where it was lost. Like he had a lost year of development. So hundred percent, I agree with you like a billion percent. That if he comes up to Notre Dame, he has to win the job. Like this isn't just handed to him. The young cats that are there that know this offense should get even reps with him early on in camp, and they should decide from there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up, we gotta gotta touch because we this has been definitely a very offensive centric episode. But we gotta <laughs> show. We gotta throw a big shout out to to Xavier Watts for winning yeah, shout the out, first this year, man. Big shout yeah. out to the guys, That's man. Tough. You know, you started off. I slated you as I knew you was gonna be the underdog of the year, and now, my good sir, you've graduated on to team industry because <laughs> you're an award winner. Yeah, the most industry. You feel me, like. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I was so proud to see that, brother. And that's 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 big shout outs to him and into the deep into the defense as a whole. The D boys, you know, they they definitely mm-hmm. uh they did their thing this year. They kept us in a lot of games and I think they definitely played a big, big, big uh influence on, on, on the outcome of the season and making sure that we stayed in you yeah, know that right. top fifteen, that top twenty, you know, rankings. I, yeah, no, I, no. I, I really, I was so excited for Xavier because it's it with how college football is now with the transfer portal and guys jumping before they even graduate now and not you know I don't want to say fulfilling their obligation but like you know you can make that conversation a different way but Xavier Watts had every rights or every reason to just kind of pack it in go somewhere else. Like I'm not doing this. I mean, he went from wide receiver to Rover to wide receiver to safety to splitting time at both. And most guys would just be like, I'm out of here, dude. Like I'm not doing this. This is stupid. Like I'm not doing this at all. Right. And he, he's a Nebraska guy. He could have went to the university of Nebraska if he wanted to, he could have went back home, but that's the great stories about college football. It's why I grew up loving college football. Like I was much more college football than NFL guy. Because I love those types of stories and the actual love of the football, of love of the game and love of the program. And Xavier Watts is a great, just, he's a great spokesman for the University of Notre Dame. The, just the ability to get through the adversity and to be a team player. But then also when he gets his opportunity, wherever it ends up lying, he becomes a star. And he leads to college football, obviously, in interceptions, Bronco Nagurski. Like, it's a great story, man. And as of right now, like, as of today, it sounds like he might come back next year. So, like, it, it's awesome, man. It's just wonderful. And even if he doesn't end up coming back, what a story. What a player. I mean, he really is, like, he's the epitome of what Notre Dame should stand for, in my opinion. Absolutely. For sure. and, uh, you know, just, you know, speaking on that, you know, kind of the switching positions thing, you know, I know all too well about it. You know, I went from, you know, safety to, to basically to safety to rover back yeah. to safety to receiver to running back so you know i was kind of in that same position and i remember i remember after that move i went they, they moved me from safety and moved me to, to like safety to rover and i remember having that conversation with my parents like yo it, it, I, I need to should i leave and you know right. we i sat down and talked to my parents for like a good like two hours like should i leave and like they were they were they were they wanted me to leave they were like no nah, they, they're playing around with you too much like they're not telling you what they want you to do like you should go somewhere else and you should find like 
find like what you like where you like where you really want to go and i said uh i literally sat there i was like you know what i'm gonna stick it out like mm-hmm. you know i might not you know i might not be the happiest right now but i feel like i just got to feel i got a gut feeling like this is the right place for me and um you know just i think for him he probably had he might have had that same um that same kind of feeling i know Ian, we talked about i think ian said the same thing last last week mm-hmm. i think that says a lot about notre dame guys even like devin you know you you, you had a chance you could have probably left probably transfer early oh, yeah. you're like no let me st- stick it out get my degree and me do it really what matters so i think that's that's kind of what always drives the guys that go to the ring that obviously the degree but you know i think we just we know like what the the end goal is you know we don't we're not just there for the short term uh the short term yeah. game we we there for the you know the long term game so uh speaks a lot speaks a lot about him you know i'm really happy for him the season he had you know my opinion, I hope he goes to the league, go get his go get his money. Go get your money, yeah. brother. Go get you, your money, you man. Come back to really? school. You can come back to school during the wintertime. You'll be like, you feel me? So mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, he's already he's already graduated, man. He graduated yeah, oh, three and a half. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. His degree. He's gone. He's gone. He's he's gone. Go get your money, man. Go get your money, little bro, yeah. man. For real. CJ, you are a great example, obviously, of this though. And I'm actually curious mm-hmm. of like, so if you're getting just moved around constantly, like I think mm-hmm. there's a fine line between coaches moving a player to find the best fit for them and then the other line of moving a guy because he's versatile enough to just to fill a number right Right. and that kind of for me like that's where i think it gets murky is like are they moving cj Procise a bunch of times because they think that they he could really do great at x y and z the same thing with xavier watts or are they moving because they didn't recruit well enough at a certain position let's say so like they have to get an extra number there you know what i mean and like in that situation I don't blame a player for wanting to leave, right? Because, right. like, you can't tell me that you want best for me when you're just trying to obligate a number. You're not obligating right. a person. You're obligating a number. And yeah. I think that's the, the the shame of college decisions sometimes or coaching decisions yeah. in that type of situation. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, for me, I, I mean, coming in for me, I knew, like, a lot of schools wanted me at receiver and safety. So I I knew I was kind of, like, in that athlete position. Like, I didn't really have a set position. Um, in my mind, I was a safety. Um, you couldn't tell me I wasn't. Uh, so when they were recruiting, that boy ain't no safety, man. That boy ain't no safety. Man, that boy receiver, man. That boy receiver. I was not a safety. I was like, bro, I'm a safety. I am a safety. I'm a hit yeah, somebody. Like, I got up there and I was like, bro, I'm, I'm I might be a receiver. Because <laughs> 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 they put me on scout team, I started going like doing my thing on scout team, and you know, and like just kind of to that point you just said, you know. I, I I had that feeling like yeah they're moving me but like they're moving me because they know that I can do stuff like every right. every time I went to somewhere I wasn't just over there like ah like I'm getting pancaked at linebacker no I would I might got pancaked one time at linebacker but after that I would go and get a sack like you feel me I wasn't just gonna get I wasn't gonna get manhandled like so I think uh, you know when you get guys like I mean that's that's really what you got to be in this game you just got to be resilient because end of the day man you don't like especially when you get to the league you might. You might not ever play. You you might play safety. You might not ever play defensive snap. You might play ten years on special teams, and you might get in. You might get in on defense your tenth year in the tenth game of the season, like the last game of the season, because somebody went down for injury, and that might be your only opportunity to play your whole career. So, like, just playing all those positions and playing every boy in the field that just makes you a better football player. Because in the in the long run, you just want to you just want to be on that field playing. 
it's not glamorous, man. I always, I always think back to uh, Matthew Slater that's been with the Patriots forever, mm-hmm. who's just like yep. a great gunner and cover ga- coverage guy, special teams wise. I think he has like he's a wide receiver, right? And I think pretty sure he has like one career catch in one like twelve catch, years. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just he don't care. He's just like I'm just going. But every yeah. time on kick on punt, I am down there full speed making them fair catch it. Like and yep. it's mm-hmm. crazy. Like that's 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 his. He, he takes his job seriously. Like this is my one job. I'm gonna do it right. Out. Yeah, man. Well, Ryan, we definitely appreciate you for coming through and chopping it up with us, man. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. You know, it's only right that we return the favor you had us on your show. So we definitely had to come and open the doors and welcome you to ours, brother. Thank you for coming through. For sure. All the insight, man. We appreciate all the insight. For sure. Oh, no, man. I appreciate you guys for having me. I mean, you've had Brady Quinn on. You've had Ian Book. And I don't think Ryan Roberts quite fits into that tier, but I appreciate the time all the, all the same, my guys. Nah, you fit in there now, man. <laughs> you, you got way more info. You got a little bit more info than, than them guys in the locker room. You know, they, yeah. they, they just on the outside oh, looking sure. in like us. Like. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But yeah, man, stuff, thank man. you again, brother. Yeah, and as always, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Lucky Underdogs podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in on Bally Sports in Ohio, on Spotify, on YouTube, or however you check out the podcast. Thank you for checking it out. As always, it's your boy, DB, signing off. We out of here.